text this morning. And while you're doing that, I want to tell you, first of all, y'all, y'all are crazy. These people are crazy. Last week I said, hey, I want to share something with y'all. I'm just going to set your heart at ease. First of all, Ben is not resigning and I'm not leading worship. So you're good. Kelly and I are not pregnant. I just want to tell y'all again, we are not pregnant. I just, I wanted everyone to be here in case um, something in, that's in our future may happen. And I was going to share it, but um, I know those of you that can't wait aren't going to like this, but I'm not able to share it today because I want it to be in finality in the sense of you able to talk to you. So I'll tell you this, with all of my heart, I want to tell you it's good and I believe it's the Lord. But you may have to wait till next week or two weeks. So those of you that open presents and then wrap them back up, you're going to chew all your nails off. But don't worry. We did get a good crowd, though. Praise the Lord. That's, that's good. Somebody else was like, I was hoping he was leaving. Baby, I'm going to outlive you. I'm not going nowhere. So stand with me. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Man, they must have thought I was really ready to preach. I got two waters up here. I'm going to tag Felicia and let her go with the after lunch sermon. Y'all bring supper because she'll go. Luke 6, 36. This is Jesus speaking to those disciples, those that follow him. But love your enemies. Do good and give, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be what? And you shall be the children of the highest. Okay, pause right here. Only got one verse to read, but I want you to get this. Okay. Love your enemies, do good to your enemies, and give to your enemies. Not just resources, but kindness, mercy, prayers. Hoping for nothing back from who? The enemies. And your reward for this mindset, your reward for these actions, your reward for this discipline shall be great. Now, who's saying that? Okay. For us to say something great, that's one thing. But for God who created everything with the spoken word, what's he thinking about when he says great? Your reward shall be great and you'll be children of the highest. Okay, I want you to grasp this. It's very important. So by being good to my enemies, does that make me a child of God? No. What it's saying is you will have access to the things available to the children of God that the merciless do not have. You're already mine, but no, you come into a different experience with me because when your heart is open to others, my heart is open to you. Children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and the evil. Be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. That word evil means this. Be kind, God is kind, to the wicked, the cruel, the vicious, the lewd, the harmful, the malicious. And in the Greek it also refers to the devil. If you have someone in your history or in your present that reminds you of the devil himself, 
The Bible says that the God that we serve is kind to those people. And he says, be merciful, even as I am merciful. Now, God would be unjust if he asked you to do something you couldn't do. I want to speak to you this morning for a few moments on the glory and the misery of mercy. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And I might as well say it again. Y'all don't want to miss next week, so get a bigger crowd here. May I pray for myself? I know you don't mind, but I just want to. Lord, first of all, I just love you. And I'm, I'm so grateful that someone like me gets to preach and pastor. Um, I thank you for the mercy you so freely give me. Even in the last two weeks of my uh, sins of omission and the one I committed just chose to. And uh, I humble myself before you and I humble myself before these people and I just thank you for that word, mercy. And how sweet it is when I hear that you are merciful to me. I owe you everything and you owe me nothing but you are merciful to John Carwood. And it's because of that mercy that I've not been consumed where I stand. And I want you this morning, Lord, I'm asking you to anoint me to deliver this message with the clarity and the conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit that we may be changed. We did not come today to be entertained. We did not come, Lord, to receive uh, um, inspiration. We came for transformation today. And the entrance of your word gives life and light so here we are, Lord. We open our heart as much as we know how to do. Bring in the fire of your word and the seed of your word so that we might be changed. For the glory of your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Forgiveness and mercy. Forgiveness and mercy. Grace and mercy. In Jesus Christ, grace and mercy kissed one another. Grace Mercy. Grace means I give you something you don't deserve. He gave us eternal life. Mercy means I keep back from you something you do deserve. You deserve hell. So the grace and mercy of the Lord combined means he kept me from my punishment. And not just kept me from that and left me exiled, but gave me an abundant entrance into the kingdom of God for which I did not deserve. Grace and mercy. Sweetest words on your lips ought to be grace and mercy, ingratitude. And the most common things coming out of your heart ought to be grace and mercy. Freely you have received, freely give. So, why is it so hard for us, not you, us, why is it so hard or why are we hesitant to, to give mercy, which means I will keep back from you what you deserve. You deserve my hatred. 
You deserve my animosity. You deserve, for those that have hurt us, you deserve my curses. You deserve for your sins to be made public. You deserve for everyone to know who you are and what you did. You deserve for the lights to be turned on and for people to see who you really are. You deserve it. Why is it so hard to give mercy? It's because of what they did. That dad you trusted. It's no excuse. It's just no excuse for the parents that walked away. There's no excuse for the unfaithfulness of the spouse. Offenses, true offenses. Not, I didn't like what color you hung the drapes in the house. I mean, true offenses alter who you are. It's hard to forgive because I'm not going to be the same after this. Now, God heals and God restores, but there are limps that you carry in this life you will carry into heaven. If Christ carries scars into heaven, you don't think you're going to carry any into heaven. What they've done. And the Lord knows what they did. The sins of this world, starting with Adam, where he dethroned God and himself to be his own God, to make his own decision, opened up the floodgate for people to harm other people. Well, why doesn't God intervene? Because the plan of redemption doesn't make someone be good. It redeems them, gives them a new heart, and in heaven he heals all the wounds of every believer. And there's no sorrow, no crying, nor pain. And it's hard for us to forgive because we have a temporal mindset instead of an eternal one. I may limp going into heaven, but I won't limp in heaven. Because of who it was that hurt us. It's hard to forgive because of who it was. I could have accepted it if if I didn't know you. Or if you were an acquaintance. But when it's your husband... When it's your wife? When it's your babies? Something in you, when the people you trust the most, unintentionally or even worse, intentionally hurt you. Something in you starts buffering and you can't process. You say, this is the little boy I nursed at my breast. This is... This is my dad. This is my mom. This is my wife. My lamb. You can't hardly process because, and this is one of the many, many reasons we love and trust the Savior so much because he understands betrayal. It was Judas, the one near him, who betrayed him with a kiss. He said, it wasn't an enemy, but it was one in my own house. One, And you'd be surprised if I asked how many in their immediate family have been mortally wounded, which means they were at the point of breakdown, nervous or spiritual or mental, or they have been never the same. Almost everybody in this room would raise their hand. It's hard to forgive because the hurt is so real and the hurt is so deep. I remember 
one night during the dark years of my life that I, um, I felt like a car had parked on my chest. I, could, I couldn't breathe. I was laying across the steps, two steps going into my back door in the kitchen area. And I just laid across the steps and I was, you know, I was thinking you, I don't even remember. I just was, I always thought, well, you got the energy, the capacity is to move, but I was just numb. And I just laid there sobbing and my neighbor heard me and saw me. It was very humiliating. And uh, I came into the house and that night I took off all of my clothes. I was completely naked. And I laid on the hardwood floor face down. And I just moaned like a, I wailed like an animal with its leg caught in the trap. And I remember telling the Lord, mixed in with many other prayers, I just said, I'm just like an animal before you. There's just, the, I can't, I can't process this. And I'm not embarrassed to tell you, I don't brag about it, but I told him, I said, many times, I said, if you've ever loved me, would you please take me? If you've ever loved me, I'm not ever going to take my life. I wouldn't do that to your church. I wouldn't do that to my children, my family. But if you've ever loved me, oh God, please kill me. Just, just take my life. Now, I can tell you a story like that and some can say, oh, that's dramatic. That's, but that's why it's so hard to forgive because the pain is so unspeakable. The idea of that person just getting away with it, our flesh says that that can't, it, it's, it's without the spirit man being allowed to come in and make the decisions based on perspective, there is no capacity in the flesh to do that. The pain is too deep. And we can't forget. I've heard preachers preach this. They said, if you forgive, you forget. No, that's not in any Bible. Well, Jesus remembers our sins no more. God knows all things. It's not that he forgets them. He does not bring them up again. And it's hard to forgive because there are trigger points that remind me of the offense. You, and I'm pleased, I'm not, at, I'm not looking for your sympathy. Uh, sympathy destroys people. And, and when it's a, a current thing, I'm, listen, I'm good. My soul's good, my mind's good, my spirit's good. I'm preaching this message, and what I'm doing today is what I'm about to tell you about. I'll have someone call me or write me, and they said, I know you don't know me, but I'm going through what you went through, and I think you can help me. And every time, of course I'll do that. I sit in my office, and I start to talk. I relive the same thing over and over for the help of someone else. But in your life, there are triggers You'll see someone that makes you think of someone that reminds you of the thing. You'll hear something. It's like life, just living, pulls the scab off over and over. It's hard to forgive when the wound oozes all the time. It's hard to forgive because the offense continues to happen. It's like the wife that forgives the husband for cursing her out. And he truly repents. He's sorry. You know, he slept on the couch a couple nights. He's sorry. I'm going to change. And then curses her out the next day. 
And the curse, you know, you got the kid that apologized and apologized and he's disrespectful and he lies and goes behind your back. There's a part of us where we're merciful, but hey, you do that like around the 11th time, I, me and you, we got an issue. Now, there's a difference between forgiving and being stupid. Y'all, it's been real serious so far. That was funny. You see, God doesn't want you exposing yourself to danger. Well, my husband slapped me last night and I'm just praying. You ain't got to pray. You ain't got to pray about nothing. Get out. Kick him out. Better yet, lock him up. Lord, this place is on fire and I just want to know your will. Should I get out? There's a person that was very cruel to me in my life. Very cruel. And I told her so. And uh, one of the few people I think there's been four in 22 years that I asked never to come back to this church. And I said, now I'm going to answer to God for that. And I like my odds. That's what I told her. So I said, so please don't come back here ever again. So years pass, years pass, years pass. This was long ago. Don't try to figure out who it was. It don't matter who it was. <laughs> oh, she'd been gone about two weeks. I bet it was her. No, no. That's a long time ago. I'm smart enough. I don't tell you no recent stories. No, I'm not going to do that. I was born at night, but not last night. So I looked up one day preaching, and she was in the sanctuary. I noticed right at the end. And she walked down the aisle while I was talking to people, stood right in front of me, and she said, Hey. I hugged her. I said, Hey. She said, You know you have to forgive me. Just like that. And see, I've already went through what I'm preaching to you, and I was ready. I hugged her first thing. That was what was in my heart. I said, oh, and just for her to hear, I said, oh, darling, I forgive you, but I don't trust you. That's it. That was kind of like, she just tipped on out. I'm not going, oh, maybe we can, mm -mm, I don't like you. Do you really think the Lord wants to, he asks you to, like liking is a natural response, not spiritual. I can prove it. God said, I'm good to the evil. Oh, don't judge them. They're evil. They're evil. And they're unthankful. In my heart, I hug you, but I will not make room in my life for you to hurt me like that. Now, that don't mean I can't see you and talk to you, but we ain't going to supper. Now, you might have a different way, and Jesus may have given you a level of victory. I pray all the time for this person. I pray for their marriage and their health and whatever they set their hands to to work, but work up the street. <laughs> well, it just continues to happen. How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him, Lord? Seven times? He said, no, 70 times seven. Did he mean you, you're waiting on 490? We got somebody at home with a legal pad, 482. Got eight more, and I'm going to cuss them out. No. That's not what it means. It means in a day, 490. He says, just no. It's based not upon what they did, but what you received. For mercy is not based upon what they did. It's what you've received. You see? I can only give you what I have. It's hard to forgive because the person who hurt us is unrepentant, unaware, 
And some even act like it never happened. It's hard to forgive because we're mad. Mad at you. I'm mad at what you did, what you took from me, what, what you left me with. I'm angry. And the truth is, here's the primary one for me. It's hard to forgive because they don't deserve it. You do not deserve mercy. And that's what makes it so beautiful. That's what makes it so pure. And that's what makes it so powerful. Be merciful. Withhold from them what they deserve. Because God has been merciful to you. Number two. Why does God command that we give mercy? Because we've received it. Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy he saved you. That's the very way you got into the kingdom. Be merciful to them. God commands that we give mercy because of how it was given. Freely, personally, joyfully. God didn't give me mercy through gritted teeth. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, carrying my punishment. And he gave it freely and joyfully. And God commands us to give it because it's one of the primary evidences of salvation. It's one of the primary evidences of salvation. Because you don't need mercy if you're not guilty. You need justice. Now follow me. One of the evidences of salvation is if I demand justice from you, it means that I have no mercy for me. You see? So if I'm experiencing mercy... I have to give it. So I'm, I'm not wanting justice. I remember when I, in my Christian faith, all it takes is one true revelation. Now, you'll have to work it out in bits and pieces. But when I saw, I saw in my mind as I was reading Scripture, two umbrellas. One said grace and one said uh, the law, which means what happened. Grace, getting something you uh, don't deserve, and one getting just what you deserve. And I was under the umbrella of grace... And, so, and, and this person was under there with me who had harmed me, and I grabbed them, and the Lord said, no, no, to do that, you have to go get under that one. You, you can't, okay, John, we, well, they need to be, ju- okay, we're going to judge. Come on, you and them both get out of here. Here's when I saw it. So they are going to give an account, and they are going to suffer the penalty of their sins. And I'm like, yes, and you too. Time out. I'm serious. I'm not exaggerating one out. No, 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 no. Whatever you do, don't judge me according to my sins, oh Lord. I'll let them go. That awareness of mercy frees you from the need to have justice. I don't want no justice, Lord, because that's all there'll be, just us, and I'm in trouble. No justice. Now, in the end, will people give an account? Yes. Yes. And sin will be judged, but we're either law or grace. And guilty people. See, the person that demands justice must see themselves as innocent. So how can you be 
saved and be innocent. You see? It's one or the other. God commands that we give mercy because of the wonderful results it provides to us when we do. When we give mercy, we receive mercy. Matthew 5, 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We receive divine mercy. We receive unlimited mercy. No limits to the mercy we can receive for our lives. Listen to this. Lamentations 3, 22. The Lord's mercies, they fail not. They are new every morning. Oh, I I want to make sure that I'm giving away the mercy that I've received so I will have capacity to pick up the mercy for the next day. Mercies. It's a flow that comes through you. It's not just a possession. It can be. But the person that stockpiles mercies choked to death on them. The health is twofold. It's receiving and giving, receiving and giving. Great, he said, great blessing. Great blessing to the merciful. They'll receive mercy, divine mercy, unlimited mercy, mercy from others. And they live under an unchangeable God decree of mandated blessing. What does God mean when he says, blessed are the merciful? Blessed, happy to be envied. I believe it's one of those things. Now, don't make a doctrine of this, but for him to single it out as a special communication, special expression of God's goodness available to that person. The merciful person receives mercy. I believe it's like a fire hydrant of compensation for our weaknesses, our failures, our insecurities, our insensitivity, our carnality, our, our, our attitudes. It just washes us and keeps us in a whole sense. Great blessing. I hear God saying, blessed are the merciful. Because every morning they wake up, when their eyes open, they are surrounded by the mercy of God. How do you, what's the value? How how do you put a value on that? And finally, the misery of mercy. What happens to the merciless? God sets his face against them. James 4, 6 says, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Merciless and pride are not cousins, they're twins. Merciless people say to themselves that I have the right to judge you. Now, you can judge accurately without having the right to do so. It takes pride to come out from under the umbrella of grace and take some by the throat and judge them. Because judgment belongeth to the Lord. So how do you juggle that, John? Are they not guilty? Oh, they're guilty. No, God doesn't ever. Listen, listen, listen. God never asks you to lie. Ever. 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 Did they do that? Yes. Did they know they did it? Yes. Do they care what it did to you? 
No. So what saith you, John? I pray you bless them. I pray that you heal them and give them a future. And I pray, oh Lord, that if there are any blessings scheduled for me, that you give it to them. My, you are great in character. No, Lord, I'm that big a sinner that I need. I need mercy more than I need them to pay. I need. I need. I'm the one. Well, what about them? I'm the one, oh Lord. And that person that beats their chest in the presence of God and says, be merciful to me, a sinner. God says, who do you think left justified? They're guilty. Don't say they're not guilty, but I don't pass sentence on you. I leave that to the Lord. Okay, Brother John, deal with the last 10%. Are there people in your life that have gotten by with it? Looks like it. But being that I've had contact with them maybe 10 minutes and 10 years, I probably don't have all the information. Will they get by with it? If they ask God for mercy, they will. Are you okay with it? Since I believe the scripture, I'm okay with it because I believe in heaven. He, when he says there will be no more sorrow, then I must be completely, irrevocably, and eternally healed from it. And that day's coming, so yes, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. These people pay a heavy price. The merciless people pay a heavy price. In their mind. Well, let me just say this. I I skipped too quickly there. God resisted the proud. When people resist you. Guys, you know when you're asking that girl out and she ain't paying you no mind at all. You know what resisting feels like. And you fall around. Hey, you'll go to lunch with me. Hey, and they, they won't answer their phone. They're screening you. That's resisting at a small level. That's a small level. You're playing high school ball. You've won five or six games, and you play the biggest team in the city, and your offensive linemen average 170 pounds, and theirs average 310. And you're trying to go forward. It's safe to say that the defense is resisting you, which means every time you snap the ball, your line is decimated, and the quarterback is under concussion protocol every down. (laughs) They're resisting you. We got fishermen here that love to fish, and you go out on the lake, and the last time you were there, you caught 32 in one hour. You have caught a stick, and you've hung two lures in the trees, and the fish are resisting you. You know, I, I, girls, you wouldn't understand this. Well, when you can see under the water with your polarized lenses and hit the fish in the head with the lure, just run it across, rapella, hit him in the head, and what? I'm resisting you. I ain't going to do it. We understand what that's like. What is it like when God resists you? When God says everything they desire, come against it. Everything they ask, come against it. Every desire of their heart, come against it. God resisted the proud. I'm not listening. I'm not helping. I'm not coming. And I will thwart 
your efforts to build a life of ease and happiness. That, that right there causes you to tremble in your gut. The merciless pay a heavy price in their mind, in their body, in their emotions. You can't house poison and not be poisoned. For a Christian to be merciless, it's impossible to be both. In your relationships, because the Bible said when bitterness springs up in you, it troubles you, but it defiles everybody else. It contaminates everybody else around you. Now, don't point or raise your hands, but how many of you know someone that's just bitter? And now they're right. You know, they tell you how they're right, and they can show you the charts and the phone records, and they're right, they're right, they're right, and just vomit, just. And everybody around them goes, I know, I know, I know the bad. It, it just defi- it, it gets on you. And you just say, look, I love you a bunch, but you're killing me. I can't, I can't stay around here. Infection. People come in the church and just on their arm and go, hey, Brother Woodman. No, why? Hey, hey, no. I've had them hug me. Praise the Lord, I'm just getting over pneumonia. <laughs> See, my health won't get on you, but your disease will get on me. It troubles all your relationships. I have watched people with my eyes. Watched a woman destroy her entire home. She doesn't go here. Destroy the marriage. And to my knowledge, all of her kids, maybe with the exception of one or two, totally turned their back on the Lord and knew they were doing it. They were right, and you better know it. So right, they're dead right. Jesus, Moses said that this woman caught in adultery ought to be killed. What do you say? Now, let's back up. Word of God? The Word of God says she should die. What do you say? And he knelt down and began to write in the ground. See, younger, I'd have just popped down to one knee. You saw that little old person. Say, hey. There you go. Tell your secrets. It's good for the soul. Confess your faults and limitations. Jesus, what do you say? What, and I've heard preachers talk about what he was writing. He was writing the Ten Commandments or a psalm or he was writing all their sins. You know what I think he was doing? I think he was counting so he didn't kill them. Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Ten. Jesus, what do you say? I say you who are without the sin throw the first rock. How about you, old man? And beginning with the oldest under the youngest, they all walked off. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? There are none, Lord. Neither I condemn you. Now don't go doing that again. They pay a heavy price. In their finances, because God's resisting them. In the truest sense of the word, the merciless are cursed. And I don't know who this is for this morning. But all your Bible study, all your church attendance, all the checks you write, all the kindness you show. If you are merciless, you are cursed. And all of that will not erase it because God will not Walk with someone who is not merciful.
How can two walk together lest they agree? Ben, if you would come, please, this morning. The merciless, according to the Lord's prayer, are unforgiven. Now, I know you can get into the argument of eternal security, unconditional eternal security, all of the other. But may I just read to you one of the most common portions of Scripture. And I want to ask you, how do you hear? Listen to this. After this manner, pray, Jesus said. Say it with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Continue. Okay, stop right there. And forgive us our debts, our trespasses, as. They asked Jesus how to pray. As we forgive our transgressors. And it says, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and ever. Amen. But most people don't read the next verse. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, your Father will not forgive you. Where does that leave you? Unforgiven. And it's the fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord that causes us to make those decisions, to let people go, to pray for them and speak good to them. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus told, he said there was a man. It's not a parable. There's a man, Jesus said. This happened. Who was forgiven the debt Approximately, some commentators say a million dollars. And he, he, the king commanded that his children be sold and that he be sold and his wife be sold to pay the debt. And that wouldn't pay the debt. And so he would just die in prison. And he begged the king for mercy. Just be merciful to me. Just be merciful. So he forgave him the debt. He went out and found someone that owed him $20. Grabbed him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe me. And one of the king's soldiers saw what happened and came and told the king and he commanded that he be dragged into him. And he said, he didn't even give him a chance to talk. He said, you wicked man. I forgave you all of that debt because you asked me. And you wouldn't have compassion on someone else. And he commanded him that he be thrown into prison till he pay his debt. Now think about it. If a man has no wife and children and he owes a million dollars in biblical times, how does he pay his debt? He said, I command you to die in your prison. That's what he's doing. And then one of the most terrifying scriptures, sobering scriptures. So shall my heavenly father do to you. If you do not from your heart forgive everyone for their trespasses. It also said that he commanded the man that was merciless to be thrown into prison and he released the torturers to torment him. And then it says, so shall my father do to you. What does that mean? It means that God puts you in a prison of your own pride and he releases demonic forces to torture you. I'm sorry, it's black and white. And Christians will hold that offense and watch their life 
rot before their very eyes because they're right. Final thought. The Dead Sea is one of the most common geographical places known in the world. And it is the Dead Sea for one reason. It has a wide inlet and no outlet. No outlet. So the fish die. The things the fish feed on die. The plants die. It's just stagnant water. So dead that a grown man can float on the top of it. It's just dead. And please know my heart. Humble myself before you. I'm not judging. I'm just telling you. There are people in this room. You are the Dead Sea. And the mercy you have received has been so great. It filled the size of a sea. God's been that merciful. And because you have no outlet, the thing that God gave you to bless you is killing you. Would you bow your heads? No one looking around. The shortest invitation I probably will ever give. If you need to repent, I want you to come kneel at this altar. No one will bother you, I promise. Come now. Repent, not just confess, but Lord, purge it out of our souls. If there's any trace or residue of mercilessness, say, Lord, I turn my back on it. No one looking around, church people praying. I see in my heart this abscess that's being lanced by repentance. You're carving away at the corner of your heart so that there will be an outlet for all that God's done for you. I let them go, Lord. I let them go, Lord. Forgive, O oh Lord. Forgive, O oh Lord. Forgive, O oh Lord. No one looking around. And I'm not trying to get one or two more, but I believe there's someone here. You are being obstinate today. And this is, even if you don't, if I don't deserve to be heard, if this is the Lord, you need to respond. This could be close to your last warning. Forgive them. If that's you, come to this altar. Come on. Come on. Make yourself. Will yourself. God bless you. Will yourself. Let it go. Let it go. In the name of Jesus, let it go. Let it go. For the glory of the Lord, let it go. For the healing of your soul, let it go. Those of you that have come through incredible offense and you are truly healed, you have forgiven, I want you to come behind them. Girl with a girl, guy with a guy. Do not overpower their prayer. Just put your hand on them. Say, I've been there. You're coming out. I've been there. Come on, come on. You're coming out. You're coming out. 
Wholeness is coming. Healing's coming. Healing's coming. Healing's coming to you. Come on, come on. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see it was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears Relieved, how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. My chains are gone. family, would you stand with me this morning? Each gives what they have. Now, of course, I'm here for Sunday morning. And if you said, John, everything you have on you. Uh, I didn't even know this was in here. I got a receipt from Sam's. You don't want this. It's a little <laughs> snot rag. And that's it. John, won't you give me just a dollar? I can only give... I can only give what I have. There's a story told very quick, and I'll let you go. East and West Germany, uh, West being the free side, East being the, the imprisoned side. And from the East of Germany, and I may not have all the details right, but the story's the same. They would throw refuse on the other side and medical waste and just horrible stuff. They would throw it on the free side. And the story got out that one of the commanders was told about it on this side and said, what should we do? throw it back and he said no no get a pallet and they filled the pallets full of antibiotics and penicillin and uh, vitamin just all the things that weren't available to them whatever all that was beneficial and they wrapped it in this huge saran wrap and had a crane put it on the other side and on the top was a note it said each gives what they have you know why I can give you mercy I got it. I got it. This isn't about them. Let me close. Give me one minute. This, this isn't them. It's what you got on you. You got enough to cover that? Yeah. <laughs> that means that much has been given to me. My sins are gone. I can forgive anybody. That's the revelation. It's not that they get off. It's that you got off. You see? Lord... We bless you. We bless you that you're merciful. 
We thank you for tender warnings like today. May we have the courage and the character to freely give away that which you've given us so freely. We let them go. We bless them. We do not say what they did was good, but as far as we're concerned, we bless them. We ask you to give mercy to them, knowing that when we wake up tomorrow, mercy is going to be waiting on our first step before we hit the, hit the floor. Great is your mercy. Your mercies, they fail not. Thank you, Lord, for health and wholeness. And this, may this be the year. May this be the year, O oh Lord, that that limp is not associated with hatred but we limp smiling knowing that God is going to balance the books in the name of your son we give you praise and we thank you for today and all of God's people said amen have a wonderful day God bless you